Last week we were talking about Ruth, the story of Ruth. I want to sort of continue partially with what we are saying uh, about Ruth, and but also I want to read Psalm number 49. Psalm number 49. Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels, that's my oppressors, shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Then this is put in, for the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. 49 verse 7. And I go back to verse 7 again, and leave out verse 8, because you get the feeling uh, better when you sort of leave out the parenthesis. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This is their way. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, or hell, for he shall receive me. Selah. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, and when the glory of his house is increased, for when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee, when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. An interesting sound, that. It's a bit like what is going on in the world today. You know, last week we, we looked at the story of Ruth and we mentioned a couple of the, the facts regarding the genealogies, genealogies of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two genealogies that we have long lists in the Bible. There are three women mentioned in these genealogies. We said there was Ruth and there was Rahab and then there was the, the, the wife of David, Bathsheba, but she's not mentioned by name, but she's, she's referred to in those genealogies. Both Rahab and, and Ruth were Gentiles in the genealogy 
of the Lord Jesus. Just a few thoughts in passing. I thought uh, we'd mention about these genealogies. We did a, a, a talk on these some time ago. But I thought I'd just uh, mention a couple of points about them. In Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel chapter 1. We have the, the gene- genealogy of Jesus. And you know that Matthew shows Jesus as the king. The king of the Jews. The king. The coming king. And so, so the genealogy that we have in Matthew is a royal genealogy. Jesus Christ, the son of David. That's how it starts. In the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, going back to the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Royal genealogies apparently started at the the fountainhead and worked back down to the person uh, about whom they were speaking at that particular time. So the genealogy of Jesus starts with Jesus, the son of David, and goes right down back down to Joseph. In Mark, we do not have a genealogy. No genealogy in Mark. Mark shows Jesus as the servant. And servants don't have genealogies. So nobody's interested in the genealogy of servants. So Mark doesn't have a genealogy. In Luke chapter 3, we have another list of genealogies of the Lord Jesus. Going back to to Luke chapter 3 and verse 23. And it says there, 3.23, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph which was the son of Eli. We know that this is the genealogy showing Jesus as the son of man. And therefore it goes right back to Adam. Right back at the very end, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Matthew uh, shows Jesus as the king. Mark shows him as a servant. So there's no genealogy there. Luke shows him as the son of man. So the genealogy goes right back to Adam. The son of Adam. And of course the son of God. It says here which was the son of Eli. Or Heli. He wasn't actually the son of Heli. What The way we should read that is, Jesus Christ, Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. Jesus, the son of Eli. And Eli was in fact Mary's father. And this is a genealogy which goes through Mary. In fact, Mary as was the, the daughter of this man called Eli. And when we're reading this particular uh, genealogy, apparently what we should read 
would be Jesus the son of Heli, Jesus the son of Mathat, Jesus the son of Levi, and so right on to goes to Jesus the son of Adam, Jesus the son of God. All the way through it goes Jesus the son of He was not in fact the son of Eli. He was his he was Mary's father. Mary's father. But the Jews had an expression apparently that the family of the mother is not called a family. And so they never really went through the women. They went through the men. And that's why it goes through Eli, which was Mary's father. We'll come back to that in a minute. The third genealogy is in John's Gospel. Does anybody know where the genealogy of Jesus is in John's Gospel? John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word, the Son of God. So the genealogy in in, in John portrays Jesus as the Son of God. If Jesus the King, Jesus as the servant, Jesus as the son of man and in John's gospel we have Jesus shown as the son of God the word was made flesh and dwelt among us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God that's the real genealogy of Jesus isn't it the son of God the one who came to die for each one of us so from these genealogies you see that both Joseph Matthew's gospel goes down to Joseph and Luke's gospel goes down to Mary. Under both of those, Jesus was the son of David. That's important. Surely one of them would have been sufficient to show that Jesus was the son of David and had the right to sit on the throne of David. You see, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, we read it. I just took a note of it. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And you'll have this throughout Christmas time. This will be repeated again and again on every Christmas card you get. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. Jesus was going to occupy the throne of David forever. And that presents a slight problem with the genealogy which we have in Matthew. Jesus was, as was supposed, that Joseph was his father. In fact, he was a kind of foster father, wasn't he, as we all know. The genealogy of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel comes down through Solomon 
If you look, you'll see that in verse uh, 6 and 7. And this is what made me think about this, having discussed about Boaz last week. And Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David, the king, and David, the king, begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. That's when Bathsheba is not mentioned by name. They just give an allusion there to her. And Solomon begat Rehoboam, Rehoboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and on right through to the very end, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So the genealogy there from uh, David goes through Solomon and goes right down to Joseph. But that line was barred in the book of Jeremiah. We see that that line coming down through Solomon was barred from ever sitting upon the throne of David. Goes right back to that God said that he put a curse on that and he barred it and said no one from that line would ever sit upon the throne of David. Go to Jeremiah chapter 36. This is all about, you, you, you can read it all, the full story when you go home. It's about a scroll that Jeremiah had. And a king cutting up this scroll because he didn't want to hear what was on the scroll. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burnt the roll. And the words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, God is speaking. Take thee again another roll and write in it the former words that were in the first roll. When Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, hath burnt. And thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, thus saith the Lord. Thou hast burned this roll, saying, Why hast thou written wherein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast. Jeremiah had been telling them that there was justice coming, judgment coming, and people were saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace, and wouldn't believe him. Therefore thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have none to sit upon the throne of David. And his dead body shall be cast out in the day of the heat and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them. But they hearkened not. And then Jeremiah took another role and gave it to Baruch the scribe and wrote on it. God said that no one from that line of Judah would sit on the throne of David. Again, no, no children, that line was barred. They couldn't sit on the throne of David. So let's go see why then we have one in Luke. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. I hope I'm making this clear. 
But I think it's interesting to know about the genealogies in, in the scriptures. Genealogies, uh, Luke chapter 3 and verse 31. And here's the, some of the verses from the genealogy coming from Mary. Which was the son of Melea, which was the son of Menon, which was the son of Matatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David, which was the son of Jesse, and so on. This line came down through another son of David's. We don't hear much about him. But it didn't come down through Solomon. It's a different line. It came through a man called Nathan, who was a brother of Solomon's, and of Solomon's, a, a, a brother, another son of David's. And he came, it came down through Nathan. So it's a completely different line. They did converge once, actually, with a man called Zerubbabel, but that's beside the point. Uh, and, and that line comes down to Mary. So that Jesus had the legal right, as well as the godly right, to sit upon the throne of David. Do you understand? The one through Solomon was barred in Jeremiah. But the genealogy came on right through. Showing that Joseph was the son of David. But through that line Jesus would not have had the, the right. Because God had barred anyone from that line. Of sitting on the throne of David. But on the line through Mary. Through Nathan. Coming right down. Not on the. Solomon line but on the Nathan line she also had anyone of her children had the right to sit upon the throne of David and that's why it was so important for Boaz to marry Ruth and that's why it was so important that Rahab the harlot came out of Jericho. Oh yes, Satan would have tried to bar these and wipe these people out. Why have we the story of a, re a relatively insignificant family? A man and his wife, Elimelech and Naomi, having to leave and go and live in Moab for a while. Why is that story in the, in the Old Testament? There must have been dozens of people like that. But it was important because... Boaz was in the line that God had planned so that Jesus Christ the son of David would come and he will come with his saints and he will set up his throne and he will sit on the throne of David and he will during his millennial reign and we'll be there to see it you'll see whether I'm right or not <laughs> but that's we're looking forward to that. We'll be taken up and then Jude says the Lord returning with his saints to execute judgment and the millennium kingdom will be set up. And he, God, Jesus Christ has the right both legally and spiritually that God given right to sit upon 
the throne of David. It's wonderful. And we'll be there if we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we'll be there to see it all happening. It's something to look forward to. Have you never been to Palestine? You will someday. You know? Don't waste your money now. It's going to be sooner than you expect. <laughs> we have to be redeemed. We have to accept Christ as our Savior. And that was the whole point of, of, of the book of Ruth. To show that this man was able to redeem back the land. So that Ruth could marry him. And Obed was born. And then Obed and then Jesse and then David. All that wonderful line. He redeemed. He took her out of her poverty. She was in poverty. And he redeemed the land. And God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem you and, and me. We were in poverty. We said this last week. We were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But Jesus Christ has come. And he has redeemed us. He's brought us back. He's praised. And that's what he said when he said it is finished on the cross. That word really meant the price is paid. He paid the price. For our redemption. And so that was the reason why I read Psalm 49. The psalmist here, he's talking, he wants everybody to hear this story. And it just reminded me that today. Do we want everyone around us to hear what we have to say? He says, listen ye inhabitants, give ear, all ye people, give ear. He was very ambitious, all ye inhabitants of the world. Low and high, rich and poor, listen, I'm going to tell you a parable. My mouth shall speak of wisdom. And I've been thinking about this, he says, and I'm going to tell you what God has laid upon my heart. He asks a question that many people ask. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my persecutors shall compass me about? Why should I fear? Men who trust, he says, in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. We see people like that every day of the week. We see them on television. We see them in the news. People who are self-centered and self-satisfied. Who trust in, the, in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. None of them, he says, none of them can ransom himself. Oh, he says, you need to be ransomed. You need to be redeemed. And none of these people can ransom themselves. Not all their wealth, not all their riches, not all their self-esteem. Nothing. He says the redemption of the soul is costly. It's costly. It costs. It can never suffice. Man, whatever he does, can never satisfy God to redeem his soul. That he should continue to live forever and never see corruption. You see, he says, man is going to end in corruption. Going to end in hell. All the people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are under the wrath of God. And they'll end in hell. It's a horrible, horrible 
truth that man without God is under God's judgment under God's wrath and will end in hell he says that they should continue on forever and never see corruption we who have been born again by the spirit of God and who have accepted Christ as our saviour we'll never die we'll die physically maybe we won't maybe the Lord will come and take us before that but he says you won't die spiritually your soul won't see corruption sinful man cannot redeem sinful man that's what it boils down to sinful man cannot redeem sinful man no man can pay a ransom to redeem from sin and so from the curse of the law and eternal death that must be given to God and God sent his son to redeem us from the curse of the law Jesus Christ the redeemer of his people paid the ransom price to God as I said when he said it is finished what he was saying was the price is paid the price is paid it is finished man need not pay anything again for the redemption of his sins despite what the Roman Catholic Church will tell us to pay and to pay and to pay for the redemption of their souls in purgatory man the price has been paid Jesus Christ offered himself as a sacrifice to God First Peter 1 18 and 19 and I, I tried to make this simple but I sometimes wonder knowing that ye have been redeemed not by corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain ways of life handed down from your fathers the traditions of the fathers Bible doesn't like traditions he says you haven't been redeemed by that but by the precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot the blood of Christ the blood of Christ that's the only thing that can redeem sinful man and that the psalmist is saying they can't the redemption of their soul is precious no man can redeem himself and no man can redeem another man Matthew 20 28 as indeed the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many he came to to be of spiritual benefit to all mankind to serve mankind by dying and to give himself a ransom for many 1 Timothy 2 5 and 6 for there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all he's paid the price he's redeemed us if we accept him and then we have verse 10 and 11 we have a wonderful description of, of people today he seeth that wise men die likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever you know you think people believe that they're going to live forever that's the way they, they behave and their dwelling places to all generations 
they call their lands after their own name. You know, councillors love to have streets called after them. You'll see it as you go around the towns. So-and-so street. People love it. Nevertheless, man being in honour abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. He'll die. He'll die like everybody else. And it goes on to say, like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. I think that's icy cold, isn't it? The hand of death will feed on them. Sheep have fed in the riches and the pastures. But when night comes, man today doesn't have a shepherd to protect them in the night. No shepherd for to care for them in the darkness. Death shall feed on them. Their beauty shall be consumed in hell. It's very solemn. But what wonderful assurance the psalmist had. And I'm always amazed that the people in the Old Testament had such wonderful assurance of God's redemption. Verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of hell. For he shall receive me. That's amazing. God will redeem my soul from the power of hell. Psalms could say that. Can you? I am redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 16. Be not thou afraid. We've nothing to fear. We've nothing to fear. We shouldn't fear mere man. Can't do anything to us. Our faith and trust is in the God who has redeemed us through the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, man, though, while he lives, he says in verse 18, he counts himself happy. And though a man gets praise when he does well for himself, it's like they're self-centered. He shall go to the generations of his fathers. Men will praise thee. I was reminded of that parable that Jesus told. Or was it a parable? He doesn't say it's a parable. About the farmer. And he had very good harvests. And he pulled down his barns and built greater ones. And he says, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And we hear that, eat, drink, and be merry, repeated again and again by people. But they don't know the awesomeness of what God said. Thou fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. The end of the wicked, it says, 
they shall never see light. Darkness. Darkness. Total darkness. How often the scripture says in those parables of Jesus, cast out into outer darkness. Outer darkness. No light. You know, there's no light of any kind of good in, in hell. It's the people you're going to have to mix with in hell. It's one of the horrifying things. All the worst evil you can think of. And no good. No light in the darkness. Turn for a minute to Job. Chapter 18. And it gives a description of wickedness here. And really, it's worth reading. How long will it be ere ye make an end of words? Mark, and afterwards we will speak. Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? He teareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee, and shall the rock be removed out of his place? Then here it is. Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine. The light shall be dark in his dwelling place, and his candle shall be put out with him. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel shall cast him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walketh upon a snare. The jinn shall take him by the heel, and the robber shall prevail against him. The snare is laid for him in the ground, and the trap for him in the way. Terror shall make him afraid on every side, and shall drive him to his feet. His strength shall be hunger-bitten, and destruction shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. I thought that was a, 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 an icy thing. The firstborn of death shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. And even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. His confidence shall be rooted in his dwelling. And it shall bring him to the king of terrors. It shall dwell in his dwelling, because it is none of his. Brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. His root shall be dried up beneath, and above his shall his branch be cut off. His remembrance shall, be, shall perish from the earth, and he shall have no name in the street. The exact opposite to people calling themselves after their own names. Calling their buildings after their own names. He shall have no name in the street. He shall be driven from light into darkness and chased out of the world. Driven from light into darkness. End of the wicked is darkness. No light. How different for the redeemed, isn't it? And again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 
we have the light of life to walk by you know that that Mary Louise Hoskins thing I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown and he said put your hand into the hand of God it shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way go out into the darkness with your hand in the hand of God it'll be better than a light and safer than a known way because we'll have the light of life living within us in this dark world and in eternity we will live with the light forever that where I am there ye may be also I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. May we walk in his light all the days of our life.